Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye podcast, a six-part series of podcasts brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and today we'll be continuing our discussions with local Newry entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how these companies have come to be and to gain insight into their growth. So remember to keep an eye out on your favourite podcast app and subscribe to stay up to date with future episodes. Well, today I am joined by Jonathan McCune, Chairman of JMK Solicitors, CEO of Crash Services and founder of Granite Exchange and Granite Podcast Studio, where we're sitting today. Jonathan, welcome to your own podcast studio. (laughs) Thank you very much, Sarah. (laughs) So before we begin, as always, I'm going to give a little bit of background and what a background to your business is. So JMK Solicitors is Northern Ireland's number one personal injury claim specialists. Established in 2003, they've successfully helped tens of thousands of people recover compensation. JMK are unique in that they only handle personal injury and road traffic accident claims. They continue to help every client fully and fairly recover their losses with the least possible stress and assist clients from all over Northern Ireland. And then we have Crash Services. Now, Crash Services is Northern Ireland's largest accident management company. And since the business was founded in 1996, Crash have assisted over 100,000 local motorists following an accident. So Crash Services, they take away all of the hassle from collecting your car, organising repairs, providing a replacement vehicle as well as legal assistance. Crash can help any motorist, no matter what you drive or who you're insured with, as they can recover the costs from the insurers. It won't cost their customers a penny. And then Granite Exchange, where we're sitting broadcasting to you from today, is the ultimate serviced office and meeting room facility. It's located in the heart of Newry City, perfectly placed between Belfast and Dublin. Now, each office suite here is fully furnished and comes with an all-inclusive monthly fee with no long-term contract, perhaps very important at the minute. So all you have to do is show up, switch on, and the rest is taken care of. Jonathan, you're a very busy man. Um, tell us, first of all, a wee bit about you, the person. So where are you from? What's your background? How did you get to be here today? Well, uh, thank you, Sarah. Um, I Originally, I'm from Lurgan in County Armagh. Uh, we moved to Newry probably about uh, 1996 uh, time. Uh, so just over 23 years, 23, four years ago. I had uh, done a degree in, in aeronautical engineering at Queen's University. As you do. Uh, as you do. Really? <laughs> and, uh, um, I d- didn't really see myself as, a, as an aeronautical engineer uh, at the end of it. Um, and I got the opportunity to go to America for a year on a training program that the government was running at the time to send students to America. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in a little town called Sitka in Alaska. In um, Alaska. In Alaska. It was a fabulous place, absolutely fabulous. Um, you know, for local people, if you can imagine what it was like, it's like Warren Point with nothing else. <laughs> um, it's a little, small little town on this island, 100 miles long. You know, that's the only thing uh, in it with about four 4,000 people. Um, so you were how old at this time? I was uh, 21. Wow. So I was... Uh, studying business and law there and decided that I would want to come back and uh, do a law degree. And that's what, what happened. I ended up 
uh, coming back to, to Newry, where my father had moved to and set up a business called Crash Services. Mm-hmm, as um, we've heard about yeah. already. And uh, so I worked for Crash whilst I was studying my law degree. And at the end of uh, studying the law degree, I had this hankering to become a commercial lawyer. But I saw how the uh, the clients of, of uh, Crash uh, needed to be looked after um, and needed... Uh, the a legal representation that matched the service that Crash was providing, and so I decided to make the switch and and uh, set up uh, eventually my own practice, which um, whilst it didn't it didn't uh, at the time limit itself to just personal injury and road traffic accident claims, we did a bit of everything. P- the predominant part of the business was was that, so that was uh, in around two thousand and three. And I did all of the things that all of the big life uh, changing events in one year. I got married, <laughs> uh, had a baby, uh, moved house, um, and set up a business. You know, Goodness. so all of those things in twelve months. Uh, so it was, you know, extremely busy time. And I think it's one of those things. Is it, is it you know, if things are happening very uh, rapidly, you don't really have too much time to sit back and think. You just get on and do it. And I think that's the, the, the adage about if you want something done, ask a busy person. Absolutely. I think you, that that's what happens. You end up, um, the busier you are, the more capacity you have to do to do things. And, and maybe I get a little bit bored easily is why I'm <laughs> doing so many different things, perhaps. So fast but forward 17 years and, you know, over the last few months anyway, we've had a lot of time to reflect. Um, and maybe you have too on how far you've come. So, you know, how did you... Your, your businesses have become extremely successful. Now, tell us about JMK Solicitors, first of all. So you've grown from just you mm-hmm. and then you've got quite a workforce now. We have. We've um, in, in around uh, 70 staff at the moment. Um, so, I mean, across all the businesses, there's about 145 staff. Um, and the JMK probably has about 70 of those at the, at the moment. And that's a mixture of uh, solicitors and uh, administration staff. Uh, as well as we, we have uh, you know accounts people and um, marketing and all of those different uh, different things that every business would uh, would need and the the big change for for JMK really came um post the uh, the credit crunch 10 years ago or more and um at the time we probably had about 50 staff um and over the course of 18 months we were down then to about 28 um, it was, you know, we'd had to take some very tough decisions. There was some redundancies at the time, things which um, I think we handled them as best we could. We could, um, but they, they had a legacy for for years afterwards that okay. that, uh, that we'd had that um, boom and bust, if you like, um, and it did put us in the mind uh, around that time to say well, we need to concentrate on on one thing, do it as best we possibly can, and that's when it, in twenty eleven we then made that decision and we said right, let's just do personal injury, road traffic accident claims, and do it as well as we possibly can. Don't worry about all of the other types of, of legal work. Just concentrate on that. So we were, um, you know, we had started then you know, from, say, a much smaller organisation than we had been to then grow back up to now. We're now 50% above where we were 10 years ago in staff numbers, and we're dedicated to that So service. that was a really big decision for you and a big risk perhaps at the time um I, I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a phrase in marketing where you you concentrate on that one thing and it's like inch wide mile deep so you think this is what we're good at this is what we know we can do but um what were other people saying to you at the time well I think it, it was um it's thing about all don't put all your eggs in one basket is the other you know thing that we thought at the time taking a marketing uh, consultant and it's a, a relative of mine uh, who um, I let him remain nameless for now, but I'm sure he knows who he is. But uh, he came in and had a chat to us, uh, and he talked to us about um, the analogy was the ice cream market. 
And what he said was there are dozens of flavours of ice cream, but 80% of people eat vanilla. So there's no point in worrying about the 20% uh, that, uh, that individually are a tiny little fraction to try and get so, so what his um, analogy brought us to that conclusion say look let's just do the one type of work there is enough work there to keep us to keep us going and there's a, you know the, the market is is there uh, we didn't at the time necessarily appreciate it when he said um that that's that that's what we should do because as, as solicitors you think that you should be able to do everything and you know we should be smart enough and knowledgeable enough to do a whole range of legal work and for someone not from a legal background to tell us that we were foolish or misguided was uh, was a little bit hard to take, but but he was right that concentrating on the one thing did make us much better as an organisation. And and how does it feel for you when you know that you help people you know get compensated after they have an accident? Because let's face it, solicitors sometimes do get a bad press, and also Northern Ireland has been known for having a a claim culture, but. It goes deeper than that for you, doesn't it? The thing about it is that whenever you have had um, a, a, an injury, it's only then that you fully appreciate uh, the impact that it has in your life, the inconvenience, the hassle, and uh, you know, it's whenever we we talk to people, they are they are genuinely appreciative of being guided through that that process because it has become you know there's the, the I suppose the, the propaganda from the um, from the other quarters that, that try to make people feel bad about making claims when actually it is what they're entitled to it's for you know for hundreds of years it has been in the legal system embedded that uh, you're entitled to be compensated and that that should uh, should happen and the people shouldn't feel uh, embarrassed or guilty about doing that but and it's our our job as much as possible to make people understand what they're entitled to uh, why they're entitled to it and ensure that they, they come out of it having had the best of service so that they get the maximum compensation that they're possibly entitled to and as quickly as we can do it. That doesn't mean in the shortest uh, possible time. It just means in the shortest time to get the right result. So we don't, we, you know, we're not um, trying to, to, you know, settle ca- claims very quickly. We're trying to settle them right, which can take, you know, longer to do. But, uh, you know, our job as solicitors is to make sure that people understand that uh, we are there to look after their best interests, and that we don't, uh, we don't, uh, you know, we, we don't fall into the trap of the other the reputation to, uh, reputational side of things that you're mentioning. And what kind of solicitor do you take on as an employee? What do you look for? Well, we've um, a number of core values that we uh, um, uphold to, and whenever we're recruiting, we have the recruitment process based around the core values. So things like you know, do what you say you're going to do. You know, people are our priority. Those types of things, getting the best outcome from the resources available, uh, acting with integrity. So we, we deliberately channel the questions to elicit information and uh, outcomes that uh, that that show us whether or not the person is going to be capable of following all of those core values. Because we don't want to bring someone in to the team who's going to then upset the um, the order of where we are, where we all are, and. You know, really, you know, we have a fantastic team um, of uh, you know male and female solicitors. But historically, you know, people would think that um, that litigation solicitors are men, but actually, we have a lot of fantastic female solicitors. We have um, people who are recognised in their field as um, as fellows of the Association of Personal Injury Lawyers, or um, you know that that type of thing. And that there's that outside endorsement of what they do. And it, it's people who actually genuinely care about it, um, and it's not that it's um, 
you know that they they want to just um, come in and you know and, and and just do a job. The the mission of the of the business is all about ensuring that our clients are well looked after, and that we take away that stre- stress from them. And that has to come from the top down, doesn't it? Well, it does abs- absolutely. And um, you know, in our business, we do have uh, several. You know, at the management level, um, we have. Uh, you know myself as, as a chairperson, but there's um, also two other directors, uh, Maurice and Olivia, who are fantastic at keeping things on track. They're they're much better organised than I am, and uh, they are uh, able to to get that loyalty from the staff, and the, the people will go the extra mile when it's required. Now, JMK solicitors are now known as Northern Ireland's number one personal injury firm. How do you get your business to that point to be able to make that statement? Well, I think that it's. Um, I, I recently found a document that I uh, wrote ten years ago, a, a set of of um, of goals. Um, one of which you know was to be the, the number one firm. But um, I really had that um, ambition before I even started the, the firm, and uh, I remember going to um, you know inquire with a, a firm of accountants about would they act act for me as. Um, in the in the business as solicitors, you have to have uh, independent accountants for doing audit reports, and I told them this idea that I wanted to have a, a business that um, operated for clients across the entire uh, of Northern Ireland, and uh, he told me that that what I had told him was a nice story, um, but he didn't seem to have much faith in me at the time at, uh, <laughs> at that age. So, um, but you know, I think it's that thing that people talk about positive visualization or you know having that single minded focus, and I think that's it was just. Um, buried there. It's not something that I thought about every day or anything like that. It was just that was the idea. If you're going to go into it, you might as well do it. Do it right. Well, it sounds like you are doing it right. But how much has the way you work changed, and particularly now? You know, how do you work with your clients? Well, we um, had taken uh, the decision about um, ten years ago to put in a new um, case management system to run our clients' files, and uh, it has paid off for us now it was a very expensive thing to, to do at the time but it is ensured that we are completely paperless we don't um you know we don't have any need for paper files we don't want to print print files we don't we are you know if we have to have a barrister in a case they log on to our system and access the papers the same with medical consultants they log on and get the information so uh, you know when the, the one thing that we had to do in the last number of months is, is we still had people to come into the office to scan to, you know to scan things in but as much as possible we've we've um, encouraged the people we deal with to, to do online banking payments, to email us, and uh, th- those things have worked, you know, ex- extremely well. So we were quite a- uh, able very quickly to move on to remote working because we had already spent um, several years preparing for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, things like when our solicitors go to court, they don't bring a file, a big paper file. I'm sure most people who, who yeah. go to a solicitor's office, they have uh, paper everywhere, but our people just bring a little tablet um, computer and that's what they read the file off. They don't need any of that. The efficiency that you get from that is Transformational, phenomenal. I would say. Oh, absolutely. They, and uh, lots of businesses could learn from that but it's taking that risk trusting in the technology that's to it. deliver when you need it well well that's it there's all i mean that, that's <laughs> technology is yeah. always the thing that you think lets you down but it's it, but it, what it is is that people want quick fixes and there is no quick fix it's taken us years really to get to this position so it's you just have to start off saying that you're going to do it and let you know do the little imp- incremental improvements as time goes on but it's you know to think you know, whenever we put in the, the computer system originally, we th- I thought it was a matter of switching it, taking it out of the box and switching it on, and that is not what happened. It was no. a big investment. Um, t- 
talking about investment, that brings us nicely to the investment in in your staff. Um, People say that JMK Solicitors is a great place to work. You do things perhaps for your employees that you wouldn't get in other places. Why is that important to you? Well, whenever I uh, started, I think I had this uh, ethos that you could be everybody's friend and that isn't a a good thing in business to be everybody's friend, but you have to be friendly and... um, the, you know, my father would have talked about having a, a benevolent dictatorship where you be nice to people, but you tell them what to do. And I, I'm never, I'm not that comfortable with telling people what to do. Um, but what I, um, but having, you know, uh, seen other businesses and seeing, you know, what I perceived was maybe wrong with the, with those other businesses, I thought, well, I don't want to get into that that pro- you know, issue myself. I want the people to know they're looked after. And um, we made a lot of mistakes in the early, you know, in the early years of the business. Um, when when I thought I was doing the right thing, but it was more about being friend friends with people rather than friendly. And I think I made a lot of a lot of mistakes. Can it's, you elaborate on that, or is that well, too I think specific? It's things like um, uh, not putting in management structures, you know, and reporting structures. Um, you, you, I thought, well, you know, no one likes a manager. No one likes to, you know, to be managed. So we didn't have that. Because, um, but then things were not being managed mm. properly. So if you're not benevolent dictatorship how would you describe your leadership style um well it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a benevolent democracy i mean i do there is times when i do have to just say this is what we're doing and um, because you know because nobody knows what the right thing is and at, at the end of the day someone you know has to make a decision and, and, and um, as the business owner people look to me to make that decision so I do, en- I do enjoy having that, um, but I also like to talk to everybody and make sure that I, I've listened to people's uh, thoughts as well. It's getting that balance right between, you know, the trust has to be there and trusting in your employees to deliver, but what happens if you do need to pull people up? That's it, exactly, and and, and that was uh, an issue for us. That we What ended up happening is that um, because there was a lot of inefficiency, we were probably overstaffed because we just threw people at the problem rather than... Um, actually figuring out what was going wrong. So the inefficiencies came about because people were not being managed properly and then we just brought in extra people and that just caused extra problems and those people who um, you know, I brought in telling them that this was a fantastic place to work, they were thinking it's not that great because we're we're all headless chickens here, we don't know what, what we're supposed to do when and w- whenever we then re- effectively rebuilt the business and uh, 10 years ago that was a big part of it, was putting the structures in place so that people knew who to talk to when they had a problem and could then quickly get get answers. And who helped you to tailor that? Well, that um, was a mixture of, of we had outside consultants and then our own in- internal people. But Maurice and Olivia uh, in, in JMK, I would class as being you know the, the absolute leaders of that, that they have the discipline to keep the follow-up, to keep it going, to ensure that there's consistency in how people are being treated. And, um, you know, I think it's the... the they're, we're all very complimentary because we do different things and we don't tread on any, each other's toes. And what about work-life balance? Is that important that your employees have a good work-life balance? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it's something which we've um, started uh, a couple of years ago to implement the um, the much-vaunted four-day week. Um, I did read a book uh, a couple of years ago called The Four-Hour Working Week. We're not quite there yet. No. But, <laughs> but, uh, mm. but certainly the four-day week, we're, we're at it. Um, but again, part of part of how, what we... the, the, the philosophy around the the, the, um, the, the four-day week came from a project which we did a few years ago where we said to, to our staff look we're we have a lot of inefficiencies despite you know the the case management system and um, we were uh, 
are I was chatting to who are a photocopying supplier, and he told me that that we had printed a million pages the previous year, and I thought. How could we be a paperless business and be printing a million pages? Um, so he was doing himself out of work. work there, <laughs> exactly. So that encouraged me to get on. And what, what we said to the staff is, look, we want to incentivize you to, to make improvements. And what we, we said is, uh, if you um, can, can, um, can keep focused on how you make efficiencies in the business and we keep a note of what the savings are, we'll go to Lanzarote for the month of February uh, uh-huh. and run the office from there. And that the savings will pay for it. Goodness me! Um, right, and that is uh, what happened. That's so what happened. That was a one-year project we did, and it, uh, that was in 2017. That all the you know the staff who wanted to could go to to, to Lanzarote, and it, it was phenomenal. They didn't have to look after their kids or anything. So it was wonderful. Well, some of them, well, some of them brought their kids, <laughs> oh, and we and we covered the cost of all of that. Really? Um, and obviously had the tax to pay on all of that as well. But that was part of the savings. Were all it, it, you know it worked well for midterm break. The people were able to bring children out, but what it did was it put us in a situation where. Uh, people who didn't normally socially interact with other people in the business. So people, there was um, th- there was somebody who worked in our admin team who we had no idea had a degree in, in accounts, mm-hmm. um, who ended up as a result of some conversations that happened in the week away, and um, that they that they are now in the accounts department as one of the the um, you know, strong people in it. That's incredible, so, and I mean, what a wonderful opportunity, I suppose. But that great incentive that you think, really, yeah. do I get this at work? But you can't do that now. Um, well, well, exactly no. not now. But How so do what, you but what we, well, what we the did minute? then is we took that um, then over the next two years, and we said, look, if you can continue on with the um, efficiency savings, then um, what we will do is we will reduce your working hours, but do not we will not reduce your pay. And on top of that, at, where we already had people who were already working flexible hours, um, we ended up increasing their pay because they obviously were working the same amount of hours, but the whole business had changed the core working hours. So we, you had, the, you know, fantastic. Some people got got a gift of time and some people got a gift of money, but overall, everybody is much better off now that we don't have that. And it's it's keeping people focused on the things in the business that, that are their job, that waste time. We want oh, to eliminate that. It's awful, uh, isn't it? Yeah. And that's it drains what on your time. And if only you could be more productive or, you know, manage your life better, that's, 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 a eureka moment as well for everybody. Let's move on now to the benevolent dictator. <laughs> to your father, Michael. Um, now I don't know Michael. I do, I would I don't know whether I, it sounds like he was quite. He's quite. He's quite a character. Um, well, he is. Uh, yes, and so. an amazing guy who, in his own right, set up Crash Services, which I suppose led to you then becoming a solicitor, looking after uh, personal injury claims. But you took on his business, Crash Services, in 2015. How did that come about? Well, he was getting to the stage of where I thought that he was going to retire. He didn't. Uh, anyone who, who knows him will know that he didn't retire, and he decided to set up a whiskey distillery, so <laughs> no intention of quitting anytime soon. But that was where it came about, is that um, as he was uh, intending to retire, and it, it suited at that time for then for me to look at taking over the business. And I think... Um, where I sort of see myself as, uh, this might sound a wee bit uh, um, conceited, but I sort of see myself as really a caretaker of his legacy for that business, that um, that, I, that whilst I was there at the start of the business and worked alongside him, um, I didn't, you know, have, uh, you know, d- direct involvement in it for for a number of years. Uh, I was on the periphery of it, but um, obviously it was, you know, I knew exactly what was going on with the business, but it was, it was, um, it was his, uh, you know, 
ethos and things that brought the business to where it was. And what uh, had he done prior to, that was it, 1996, crash was set up? Yes, he had been in, in motor insurance and uh, had set up a company that um, as he likes to you know to, to say that he he likes to say that he invented the internet and invented <laughs> gocompare.com because <laughs> the business that he had called was called Interax oh. and it provided uh, software for working out insurance premiums he was ahead uh, of his time so, so that's it he was a bit too far ahead yeah. unfortunately but yeah. um but uh, so then whenever he sold that business he then was was uh, was prevented from going into insurance broking and that sort of thing so he uh, he knew that there was a uh, a gap in the claims market to provide the service and you know the interesting thing about, about crash i suppose is that it um that you know it comes back to what you talked earlier about the compensation culture is that crash didn't care if you were injured or not they just said do you need help uh, uh, sorting out your accident damage or your insurance claim we will help you mm-hmm. and it didn't it didn't matter if if there was a revenue to be got from it or not we just helped people and um and now crash is northern ireland's largest accident management company did that ha- happen under your dad or was that under your um, I think it's a bit, well. I think it's a bit, a bit of both. It's a, I suppose it's um, you know it really came into its own in the, in, in the last five years. But uh, that's through I suppose through happenstance and other um, competitors having you know other issues that, um, that that made them a little bit smaller than they were. Um, so I think it the grounding certainly was there by my father and that's, say, the, the team that he that he created. I was really one person adding on to to the fifty or seventy that there are now. I mean, I was not the um, you know, it was not me who built that business. It was certainly him. And how many locations are you based then? Well, Crash. We have um, four, four locations in Newry um, and uh, Belfast, and uh, as I like to call it, legendary now. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they, we have a, a another depot and two depots in Belfast. Um, one for our car hire division and one for the claims um, and reco- recovery operation. But uh, the, as I said, the legendary uh, branch was opened a, a year ago. So um, it's had a, it had a you know a good start, but it's uh, stalled at the moment. But it'll get going again. Well, now, not as much uh, traffic on the roads, I suppose, as well. So we'll, well leave it at that. Well yeah. Um, what are your plans for crash going forward? Well, the the thing for for Crash Bowes is is to keep it keep it going. As I I feel like I'm the you know the, the curator of the uh, you know the caretaker of the of the legacy here, and I you know um, even if it just stayed the same, then that would be uh, you know a relative success. But obviously, you know most people are encouraged to keep on and keep growing. So, you know we are looking at uh, how we continue to grow in in Northern Ireland. Uh, potentially, how we look at the Republic of Ireland market and maybe even further afield. Now you've already talked about yourself being a bit restless, you get a bit bored and you grow yourself and uh, that leads us on to the next business where we're actually sitting today. Um, June 2018 you opened the doors of your serviced office and meeting facility Granite Exchange. So what inspired you to set up this co-working space? Well I think uh, the you know, the joke I sort of made at the, at the time is I, I don't have any hobbies, um, so I needed a sideline, I needed something to keep my my, my brain occupied, and uh, I knew the building that it was a, a retail premises that was uh, coming for sale, and it's in a fantastic part of Newry. It's you know it's a good open square here on the Sugar Island. It's beautiful, the, beautiful views. Lovely visiting here, I must say. Yeah, it's nice with it. You know, when you say looking out the windows, you see the you know the, you can see the courthouse, you can see the. Um, the Hollywood Arts Building, you can see the Town Hall or City Hall, uh, as I suppose it should be appropriately called these days. But um, it's a fantastic place, and I thought you know the co-working was something that was becoming more talked about 
And I thought that's a fantastic venue to have it. Um, I knew that there would be a little coffee shop going in next door, uh, and it was again, it's a it's a nice little addition. It's nothing to do with us, but um, you know, it has a good reputation and good good coffee. So go and give them uh, a plug there. What what are they <laughs> called? That's, uh, Finnegan's. 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 I just had the seafood chowder. <laughs> Wonderful, absolutely incredible. So, okay, uh, but you know that was a great idea, and people were starting to think about co working, especially. Uh, you know, all those people working from home. But what now has COVID done to the co-working space? If you can't get, if you have to stay away from people or does it actually present an opportunity? Well, it presents an an opportunity because beforehand we were getting lots of people having, um, you know, meetings off-site that they couldn't have in their own offices. Um, so that that has really ramped up now because for someone to, uh, who has shuttered an office to have to open it, for a meeting is a big undertaking because you have to ensure that you have your risk assessments done, that you've got the property cleaned before and after, uh, whereas we take care of all of that. So if someone comes in here, they don't have to worry about cleaning, they don't have to worry about security, they don't have to worry about I- IT. The, the, the package includes all of your phone calls, your internet. Um, so hold on, you, you could get somebody to answer your calls for you and... Well, absolutely, be the receptionist for you. Absolutely. So That's if you're incredible. if you're thinking of setting up your own your own business, having this, you know staff to do the, those, um, you know more uh, you know standard activities is difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas here you don't have to worry about that. And IT support. IT support oh. as well, because we have the other business um, with a with a decent sized IT department that can uh, call on uh, as well to help out, but. Um, you know, Colleen and Jessica here, and, and now Jean, who's, who started with us, um, you know, are all uh, you know getting quite up up this uh, skills. They're up their skills in relation to IT and all sorts of things. That as well as wonderful customer service, which I think is actually the most important <laughs> thing. And the first thing you notice when you come in the door is that smile and that greeting and it's nice to see people but in a socially distanced and safe way absolutely and that's what we have here is we're they're all individual offices it's not that we have a big open plan um like like some of the co-working places that you'd see in in dublin or belfast uh what we have here is is you know uh, offices that can suit you know uh, one to three people you know possibly up to four but you know smaller numbers and which are probably much more beneficial now in the in the post-COVID world, where people, uh, you know, want might want to get out of their own house and get somewhere professional and see a real person. So that's really interesting because if you think about it, at the, at the start of lockdown and nobody was coming out and nobody was socialising at all, uh, but now we're looking to the city centres and homeworking seems to be something that's possibly going to continue for many of the of the big uh, office blocks. There are, are lying empty at the minute. What do you think? the pandemic will do for the smaller cities and towns and what well what I think it's a fantastic op- it's a fantastic opportunity for the smaller towns to uh, you know to, tr- to uh, now that people can see that they don't all need to be in one big city center location uh, in Belfast or Dublin that they can uh, come uh, to you know and, and allow people to work remotely and that gives a fantastic opportunity for um, the like of co- co-working places or the local uh, business community to facilitate those businesses setting setting up on a, on a regional So how basis. many businesses call Granite Exchange their home currently? How many calls are coming in? Um, there's currently nine businesses at the moment. And then you've recently opened this wonderful addition to Granite Exchange, the podcast studio that we're broadcasting from today. Um, I mean, it's state-of-the-art equipment, um, and I suppose people can can now book this and use this themselves. Why did you do this? Well, it's, it's, I suppose, again, my own interest, I was watch, or listening to a lot of podcasts myself. I enjoyed listening to them. A lot like, of people uh, did, especially during <laughs> lockdown, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I, I, it's, um, 
I think it's it's a it's a sort of unique thing in, in that it is so um, multi-purpose. You know, there's there's there you can you could come in and just record. You know, you, someone could just record an advert for themselves. They could record, um, you know, a, a, a you know a seminar that they could distribute. They could record um, a discussion program. You know, you know something that's um, you know they could do a program on local history. They could do anything at and all. Can you so help the, them with the technology? Absolutely. So that we have. Um, Say that our uh, our esteemed staff here who are getting fabulous new skills in marketing and uh, and podcast production and uh, there you know we're on hand to, to provide all those services because the, the thing that that is lots of people will have ideas it's like you know this thing people talk about everybody's got a, a got a, a book in them well I think everybody has a podcast series in them um, as well but what you need is the impetus to do it the impetus to, to uh, and also the someone make sh- making sure that you ha- come in and record next week's episode you know so that you get that done and and I it's think so professional as someone who's <laughs> worked in broadcasting for most of their life I mean it's really really good quality. Well, I think that's you know what we wanted with the, with everything that we've done here here in the, in the business and, and across all the businesses that that I have is is that you want to provide the best of service. You want uh, people to come in and know that it's reliable. Know that uh, you're that there's no corners cut because um, you know it's that idea that there's always someone who can do a job cheaper. But you know, but if the quality isn't there, there's no point. So um, that's what we want to be able to to provide the service in the local area and encourage people. Uh, to come in, you know, whether it's I say a one-off or whether you encourage someone to do a series of podcasts, you know, I think there's whether it's tr- you know true crime or um, you know or fashion or whatever, you know, there's any number of things that people can talk about on a podcast, and um, I think that you know having the, the facility here means that it, it, there's one less excuse for people to you know who want to do it. It's here, it's ready to go. Give it a go. Why not? Absolutely. And you've got the help to do that as well. So, what are your plans then, Jonathan, for Granite Exchange going forward? Well, I th- we whenever we set up, we d- we had a number of we knew that we had a number of different strands, which was the um, you know we had the the, the the monthly meeting rooms, we have the the, the uh, sorry office space, the, the the meeting rooms, and we also wanted to run events and. Um, you know, obviously that's something which is you know we, we did run a few events but that's something which has now been knocked on the head un- unfortunately and I think that's where the podcasting uh, comes in is it, it's another outlet for us it's another uh, way of being creative and the you know the mission of, of Grand Exchange is to c- encourage commercial activity in Uri so we do want uh, people to, to have a, a place where they can go to get and do something that's a little bit quirky, um, something that's, that's a bit different, and um, that inspires and excites people to do so, to do something. And, and the more that people become aware of what we're doing, hopefully, the more that helps the rest of the town. And what's been fantastic about doing this podcast as well is is actually getting to talk to the local businesses, the local entrepreneurs, find out a little bit more for them. And there, there's real benefits, I suppose, to businesses at the minute where. Um, customer service or meeting clients face to face is much more problematic so people who your customers could tune in listen and find out a lot more and help build that all-important relationship well that's it it's, i think it's, it's people say about northern ireland people especially you know people buy from people and i think that's it is is that um you know i felt that over the last number of months that uh, you know you could have been interacting with a, compu- a computer half the time you had no idea if you were talking to a real person or not even if you were on a, a video call with them so um bringing people in you know and uh, and seeing people face to face makes a massive difference in terms of the relationship building and what about the family man what about what do you do when you're not working <laughs> well as i said a very Another little, very little <laughs> the, uh, but no i have a um, a wife and and uh, two children my wife uh, amory uh, we're married uh, 17 years now and uh, we uh, live in Burn, which is just outside Newry. 
I had my t- oldest daughter will be eighteen shortly. She's learning to drive. Um, she thinks that she wants to to follow me into a legal career. So we'll see what happens there. Um, it may or may not happen. But um, you know, uh, and the younger uh, child, uh, Megan, is uh, thirteen and a half, and thirteen and a half going on thirty. And uh, uh, you know, she's um much you know a, a very confident child and um you know social butterfly. She'll talk to anybody and. Um, you know, so uh, she's you know uh, she's going to teach us a few lessons, and Lorna Lorna is very um, d- dedicated to her schoolwork, and you know is a, is a, you know a bit of a perfectionist, so we, we don't really have too much worries about the children. Um, and but you're say, slightly outnumbered at home. Oh, absolutely, yes. so <laughs> absolutely, and I regularly sit, sitting back, just letting the three of them talk about uh, all of the things that they, they talk about, you know, that, uh, and things that I pretend I just nod. Uh, but no, they are they're, they're fantastic, and um, you know, I grew up in a, fa- a family of four, um, which you know, and there was regular fights, you know, until we get into the, the teenage years. But I think with our with our two, they've been really, really good, um, you know, good friends of each other as well. Now, finally, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs out there to grow their business or start their business by offering insight into the success of local Newry companies like your own. So, Jonathan, what advice would you give to anyone out there listening that perhaps maybe has a business idea like you did all those years ago, but are unsure if it would work, unsure whether or not to take the risk? What would you say to them? Well, I think it's I think it's the thing is is that um, if you think uh, that it's that um, that you shouldn't do it, then you shouldn't. Um, but you have to change your mindset on that and just get it is that just get on and do it. I think it's Richard Branson has the, the book Screw It, just do it. You know that's the that is the the, the feeling is that you, if you sit around all day thinking is it going to work out, um, then you're wasting your time. You just have to get on if you want to do it, just do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> well, especially now, what's the worst? What's the, <laughs> give it a go or you'll <laughs> only go. be full of regret. But it's, but it's, it's the thing is, it's, a, it's having the, the resilience. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people think that you have to do these things on your own and you don't, you know, team, you need to have a team around you as well as you build up a business and whether it's initially just, you know, a network of friends and, um, and you know, another business people that can, um, you know, that can t- tell you that things are not e- easy and everything is, um, you know, is, is a constant struggle. You know, I think it's people think that it's, uh, that when you're your own boss that somehow um that you know you don't have to do anything and it's all easy it de- definitely isn't um and as long as you know that, you, that when things are bad uh, you'll know that uh, that uh, they'll turn around you know it's all it's all part of the experience well so. thank you so much jonathan McKeown, for joining me today join me again for the next episode when i'll be talking to julie gibbons from abbey autoline have a great day this podcast was recorded in granite podcast studio Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.